Hello, Bulls Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebuild the Bull podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and the Chicago Bulls with some big news on Tuesday night. They hire Billy Donovan to be their next head coach. And of course, Billy Donovan spent the last five years with the Oklahoma City Thunder, has a winning percentage over 600 with them. Before that, he was at the University of Florida, won two national championships. Of course, on that team was former Bolt Joe Kim Noah. And look, this is a big deal for the Chicago Bulls because they're hiring an experienced head coach to come here and lead their roster. Now, the last time the Chicago Bulls hired a head coach with previous head coaching experience was Scott Skiles in 2003. And Scott Skiles at that point was a a bit of a burnout in the league. Uh, That's kind of an understatement probably. But he was somebody who was, I think, under 500 when he got to Chicago. You know, he had coached some uh, playoff teams in Phoenix, but really had just been average at best. But Donovan comes in with, with pelts on the wall. This is an established head coach, and, and it's really uh, you know, a deviation from the script. Because we've seen under Jerry Reinsdorf's ownership, a lot of the coaches that, that have been hired are, are first-time head coaches. You know, Doug Collins, Phil Jackson, they were great head coaches, but they were first-time head coaches. And since Phil Jackson, it's been a little shaky. It's a little little shaky, to say the least. Tim Floyd from Iowa State, failure. Bill Cartwright, first-time head coach, didn't work out. Scott Skiles, of course, only one that was a previous head coach. It worked for a little bit, but eventually he burned out. And so the Bulls went back to that model of first-time head coaches. Vinny Del Negro, not so good. Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau turned out to be a pretty damn good head coach. You know, he had one of the best records in the NBA Eastern Conference as a head coach when he was here in Chicago. One coach of the year had two teams that had the best records in the league in 2011 and 2012. After that, Fred Hoiberg, again, another Iowa State guy, didn't pan out. And of course, Jim Boylan, Fuck off. That was one of the worst decisions that the Bulls ever made. You know my thoughts on Jim Boylan. I don't even want to bring him up anymore because Billy Donovan comes here with a resume. He comes here with cachet. And the Chicago Bulls now, Bulls Nation, have cachet. They have appeal. The perception is changing around the league. And when Adrian Wojnarowski reported it, he, he mentioned that Arturis Karnaschovas sold Billy Donovan as being part of the brain trust to help bring the Chicago Bulls back as a cornerstone franchise in the league, to help them get back on track. And look, Billy Donovan had options. He could have gone to Houston. He could have gone to Philadelphia. He was leaving OKC, who was about to enter a rebuild. And he chose to come to Chicago. He chose to come here. So that tells me two things. One, the Reinsdorfs are willing to open up the checkbook. They're willing to spend the money. They fired Jim Boylan. They hired a new head coach. And this is a head coach that we're probably going to get the details soon on what that contract's going to be. But it's probably going to be north of $5 million a year, easily, for a guy like Bailey Donovan. So it's going to cost them money. But they're showing a willingness to spend. And that's a big deal. Because you've heard me talk about that that perception of, of cheapness. It's not always fair. But look, they haven't spent a lot on their front offices in the past. They've gone out and done that. 
with Karnaschovas, with Eversley, and beefing up the rest of that front office, bringing in other people into the into that staff. And now they've added an expensive head coach. And that's a game changer to me. That's a game changer around the league. No doubt that's intriguing a lot of people right now. And the other takeaway that I have from this is that Billy Donovan clearly was sold on a plan. And what is one thing that we've been complaining about as Bulls fans? Where's the actual coherent plan? You know, since they've traded Jimmy Butler, and we've heard so much about Jimmy Butler right now as Bulls fans, because Miami is right now in the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler has been a focal point in these playoffs. But since he got traded, there really hasn't been a coherent and tangible rebuilding plan. Yes, they acquired Zach Levine and Laurie Markin and Chris Dunn. They got young assets, but they really didn't do anything after that to really go into a full tank, add more young assets, add tradable assets, you know, expiring contracts and trying to find more draft picks. They didn't really do that. So something tells me that to get Billy Donovan interested, there had to be a plan in place. Now, one interesting tidbit that Woj mentioned in his column when he broke the news about Billy Donovan was that the Chicago Bulls should be an attractive spot for free agents. And it gets me thinking to that 2021 offseason. I've, I've brought it up in past episodes. I bring it up on Twitter all the time. This is no longer a mom-and-pop organization. This is an organization that deserves to be in the room with these marquee free agents. And now when you have a young, vibrant front office led by Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, both who come from really good basketball backgrounds with high-profile organizations, and now you bring in Billy Donovan with a proven track record, a very reputable head coach who is respected by other players, other coaches, other people around the league. I have a feeling 2021, that offseason, is going to be very intriguing, Bulls fans. Heck, it might be intriguing before we get into the 2021 season. The Bulls have a lot of time to really flesh out this plan. We heard from Adam Silver that regular season games probably are not going to start until 2021. So they got some time. They got some time to really flesh out a plan and maybe be aggressive. And I'm actually kind of happy because today I had an episode planned to talk hypotheticals. If you know me and you know the Rebuildable podcast, if you if it's your first time, welcome. One thing that I am all about is hypotheticals. I love to talk about what ifs and what are some moves the Bulls can make. How can they get creative? How can they get this back on track? And one of the people I really like to follow on Twitter for this, and I, I love tweeting back and forth with him, is Keith Franz. He's at Bulls Scripted on Twitter. And Keith's been a, a, a veteran in the Bulls podcasting sphere. He's been on many podcasts. Uh, he's frequently on with, with C Red Fred. He co-hosts his own podcast, Bulls on Tap, on, on Tap Sportsnet. And one of the things I like about him, man, He's always got these ideas brewing in his head. So even before this Donovan news, I had this episode planned with Keith. And now I'm really excited because now we can really take some of these fun hypotheticals and and ideas of of what the Chicago Bulls should do this upcoming offseason and in the next offseason or two and center it around this vision now that includes Billy Donovan as, as the head coach. So let's bring in Keith right now. Keith, welcome back, and how you doing? 
I'm doing as good as anybody can be doing during this time of life. Um, you know, uh, I heard the UK just shut back down, so who knows what's going to happen over here. But, you know, just making it along like everybody else. How about yourself? Uh, you know what? I can't complain. Like you, all things considered, it's it's been a, a, a rough time. And, um, you know, I, I try to make escape through sports, but it, it's it's hard to do sometimes. You just... You hear one thing after the other, and it, it, it kind of stresses you out. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. But some good news today, of course, as Bulls fans, uh, you know, the Chicago Bulls, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, hire Billy Donovan. The news is made official shortly after that. So let me just start by asking, Keith, your thoughts on the hiring of Billy Donovan as Bulls head coach? I was. Uh, Billy Donovan's name was not a name that I expected to be in real consideration for the Bulls. Leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder, I expected him uh, to look for a more competitive situation than what he came to in Chicago. Um, Obviously, coming to the East, the path to the top of that conference is much easier than the West, though we will have maybe a healthy KD to get through here on top of Giannis uh, for the near future. But... An established hire that I'm, like I said, I was just genuinely shocked. How about yourself? Now, I was a little surprised too. You know, one of the things that we saw a couple of days ago was from from Shams, and he was hinting that Wes Onsell Jr. was, a, you know, a likely candidate. Uh, we saw that Ime Udoka was a likely candidate, and the Billy Donovan stuff had sort of quieted down. And so I was, I was floored this afternoon when I saw that the the Chicago Bulls were hiring Donovan. I'm before you you hopped on here. I said that this is a, a really good game changing hire for the Bulls, given that perception around the league's been a little rough, and this is a an established accredited head coach. One of the things that I, I think might have, to your point, he probably had some options, right? Like he had Philadelphia that was open, he had Houston that was open. He leaves a rebuilding situation. Uh, it tells me that AK and Eversley must have a pretty sound plan in place or something brewing that could have been that driving force behind Billy Donovan's decision. You know, I do think as much as people like to poo-poo on the Chicago Bulls, um, being the head coach of this team is a position that's probably coveted throughout the league. Having success here uh, carries more weight than it would somewhere else. And it just that upper echelon, being the head coach of an elite franchise and being the coach after, you know, having so many coaches since Dibs just fail miserably to take this team back to where fans want to be is, is a better feeling than some other places. Because I'm sure Indiana probably called him. Um, and for me, I like Billy wasn't the coach that I wanted. I was prepared for a first-year head coach. I was actually kind of excited for it, a team that could grow with its coach. But at the same time, it makes sense. If you're legitimately going to try to make a play uh, in 2021 free agency, which was the main topic and how we could get this team back to relevancy that we were going to talk about today before this hire was made, um, having an established coach that doesn't have as many question marks and has led a team and a player to success. Obviously, he has Westbrook's MVP season. His biggest blemish is blowing a 3-1 lead 
to the Dynasty Golden State Warriors in his first year as the Oklahoma City Thunders head coach. So if that's your biggest blemish, I mean, for some people, that's their greatest achievement. Well, and that blemish, like you said, was against a a Dynasty Warriors team and one that had come off a 73-win regular season. I mean, this was a historically good team that that came back and won that series. Um, And you think about some of the things he's done. He's adapted on the fly. I think as a head coach there in OKC, you know, after KD leaves, they they tailor that system to fit more of a Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook gets traded. They bring in CP3. Things slow down a bit and their defense picks up and they have a, this really good system where they share the ball a lot. It, it He definitely has that ability, I think, to coach to the roster around him. And so I'm kind of excited with the current Bulls roster because I think, and I've seen you bring this up on Twitter as well. There are some intriguing young pieces that, with the right kind of a head coach, I could definitely see this team being a playoff team in 2021. No, I don't. I I said this last year, so I guess I'm kind of a broken record at this point. (laughs) The season we were supposed to take a step forward, um, especially in a year like this where the state of the East, you have the Nets and the Magic at the bottom of the conference. Kyrie doesn't intend on playing in the playoffs. KD's sitting out until next season. Kawhi just left. There's definitely an opening here in the East in the Magic, where I believe seven games under 500 is the eighth seed in the bubble. Um, They're not going to have Jonathan Isaac next year. So if you're looking at that eighth seed, I think you're going to have the Bulls and the Hawks competing heavily from the bottom of this conference for that final spot in the playoffs next year. Um, because they're on the up and coming and the East really as a whole, isn't that great. So I don't think it's that unrealistic. You have an established coach. We're getting the best draft pick that we've had, uh, since this rebuild started a year after we were supposed to be taking a step forward. So, uh, minor setback for a major comeback, hopefully. And I'm, I'm just really excited to get this season started, but more so, I'm I'm anxious for the drafts. I can't believe that it, it's on November 18th. That's almost two full months away still. Well, all these moves, the new front office, new head coach, all of these to me are, are setting the table for this upcoming offseason and, of course, that, that 2021 offseason that you and I seem to tweet about a lot. I feel like of, of the people on Bulls Twitter who, who have podcasts kind of contribute with this content – I feel like we're the ones that are really pushing for 2021 a lot, you know, and and, and you and I have tweeted back and forth about different types of hypotheticals, ideas of how to really beef this up to get to that point. And really, I mean, it doesn't really change the the format of the episode we originally intended to have today. I mean, this this Billy Donovan news just, I think, adds to it. And so I actually wanted to to kind of kick things off as we explore some some fun hypotheticals, um, looking at at this year's draft. Right now, Bulls sitting at number four. I mean, that's an asset to have, the number four pick. Are you keeping it to draft the best player available? Are you looking to trade up, trade down, find a player? What would Keith Franz do if he was in the shoes of Arturis Karnishevis? I do not envy AK's position going into this draft. Uh, You have probably the most amount of unknowns the most amount of research, the, just there's no consensus. Um, a lot of places you go, you will see Anthony Edwards likely going to the Timberwolves, somewhat of a upside times fit, 
situation because they just acquired D'Angelo Russell, um, adding in that guard presence, that wing that can shoot the lights out of the ball. I don't know who's going to play defense for the Timberwolves, but um, that is the the concept around what they're going to do, which brings you to LaMelo Ball still being available at two and a team to the Warriors that I really don't see taking LaMelo. And if I'm Chicago in this draft, I don't know where AK and Mark stand on this situation, but LaMelo's the player that I want in this draft. It is not very often that you find yourself sitting in the top five of a draft, especially with the new lottery system. We saw it last year. We went from fourth to seventh. This year you had um, the Knicks and the Hawks both ahead of the Bulls fall back. So this might be the Bulls' only opportunity to take a real swing at a prospect that they're in love with that has that ceiling that can take this team to where they want to be. And to me, that's the mellow ball in this draft. The hiring of Billy Donovan only suggests that they plan on getting back to relevancy sooner rather than later. So maybe that's a swing that you have to take this offseason. I don't know how you feel about that. That's an interesting, um, I think, take there because we did hear Adrian Wojnarowski, the night of the draft, say that it's very likely the, the Warriors pursue trading that number two pick, trading out, finding somebody a little bit more established or a veteran to join that core of, of Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Um, what do you think it would take, though? If you were the Bulls, what kind of pieces do you have to move to, to get up to number two? See, I've seen something as simple as sending Thaddeus Young and the pick and swapping. Obviously, the amount of money that draft picks make from two to four is a substantial, probably close to around $10 million over the term of their four-year contract. Um, that Golden State would be saving to essentially probably trade out of a spot and get somebody that they prefer, like Denny Abdija, or someone along those lines that fits their system as an all-around player, uh, ball movement, team defense. So essentially, the Warriors would be making a deal to get the player they wanted at a cheaper contractual price uh, for the term of their rookie contract while the Bulls move up and get who they want. Now, I don't know that it would be as easy as Thad Young because teams like the Knicks um, and others might have just as much interest in moving up, um, and their, their level of desperation might be more so because they're further back and they're further away. So in that situation, you're going to be having the market driven by your competitors' offers, and that's that's the situation that they get into where it's like, I think I'd have to stay put it forth because if they don't want LaMelo to begin with, are they actually going to take him outside of trading him to somebody else? Hmm. And can that team, can that team put something together that's enticing because the Knicks have eight and 27 this year, but is that really that great? If you're the Warriors, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And if, if let's say the Warriors called AK Mark Eversley and they said, look, we're willing to give you the number two pick, but we really want Zach Levine. Are you doing that? Do you think that it's worth trading Zach Levine to get a player like LaMelo Ball? If you are getting the second pick outright, I don't know outside of Andrew Wiggins' contract um, how you'd swing that. You know, Otto Porter Jr.'s contract matches Wiggins. Zach's, you'd have to add some more filler. You send Zach and Felicio who they can just buy out or waive. 
for Wiggins in second. Does Golden State see that as an upgrade enough to give up the number two pick? I don't. I feel like the Bulls would have to give up more there. And in that situation, I, I really don't know where you go in that talk because you don't want to give up a future first. That's one of the appealing parts of the Chicago Bulls situation. And if, if, using your scenario, are you comfortable keeping a guy like like Wiggins? I think I remember you tweeting about this, but for some that didn't see your tweet, are you comfortable keeping somebody like Andrew Wiggins if you if you have to make that work? If you have to make that work, getting pick two and four in this draft, yes. Um, because like Otto Porter Jr., whether Wiggins magically finds the Maple Jordan potential that was once bestowed upon him or he is just an average overpaid wing player, um, in a year or two or going up to the 2021 class, if you have superstars that want to join you and you have to create that space, I don't think Wiggins is a bad enough player that you're like, hey, I got to give somebody five picks to get rid of this guy. I think he's young enough and he contributes enough, at least on the offensive end, to where a team could see value in you being like, hey, we need to dump this guy. We'll give you a protected lottery pick with him to simply eat this salary. So I think the scenario, depending, that his contract isn't as scary as it is at first look because down the road it isn't unnecessarily, you know, impossible to move. I was going to say the the other upside of, of that contract too, you know, he's still a young player and he's still somebody that if, if there is a desirable star on the market, you know, hits the trade market because he wants to leave his team. I mean, it's not bad to have that money to potentially trade down the road to make that possible trade work. It's the one area that I wish the Chicago Bulls were more aggressive in during the Garpax era was taking their swings in the trade market. I feel like a lot of really good teams do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of a scenario outside of maybe Paul George um, where a disgruntled star really hit the market. Maybe Boogie Cousins, which glad they didn't do that one. Um, trying to think back just quick mental health of who who they really could have taken a swing on, which is what's kind of hard with looking at this 2020 free agency classes. Is Giannis even going to be a free agent? Mm-hmm. Is Anthony Davis on his way to winning a ring? Is he going to stay in L.A.? Yeah. All of yeah. these things, you know, this, that shortly thereafter, that class starts shrinking. Do you even want Paul George? Is Paul George somebody that another star wants to play with at this point after seeing what happens when you have Paul George on your team? I feel like we're, though, at a point in the NBA, we haven't really seen guys opt back in a lot. It seems like everybody takes at least their swing in the free agent market. So, I, I mean, I guess it depends, right? Like, if if this upcoming offseason AD decides, I'm, I'm going to at least stay for, I'm going to opt in for that extra year here in, in 2021, play it out, and then kind of see what happens. See if LeBron's body holds up and go from there. Exactly. You know, that that I could see. And then same with Giannis. You know, give Milwaukee the you know the chance to try to put that team around him. Maybe go acquire a, a veteran like a Chris Paul to try and, and get to a championship level in 2021. And if they don't, hit the open market. But you are right; it's going to be, I think, a wait and see approach. It's going to depend. But I, I think I don't know. I could definitely see Giannis either way hitting the open market just to test the waters. I feel like it's just the NBA rite of passage. 
See, I also feel that Giannis is the kind of guy that wouldn't leave Milwaukee without leaving them with something. And in the situation with his Supermax contract eligibility, they can offer him more guaranteed money than absolutely anybody. I don't think Giannis expects them to completely overhaul this roster in one year, even if they do somehow manage to acquire CP3, who will have another year um, on top of next season on his contract to begin with. So I think Giannis is giving Milwaukee at least two years. He's signing that Supermax extension, and he will request a trade sometime after the next two seasons to go somewhere else. If he feels that they're never going to reach that goal, then he's secured his bag, he's given Milwaukee his everything, and he's also going to be leaving them with something. I just genuinely cannot see... Giannis pulling a LeBron and leaving Milwaukee without some kind of return trade package. And I think that's going to be one of the reasons, if that scenario bears fruit, why if you're the Bulls, you have to maintain a level of flexibility, right? So, you know, your scenario with with like that Wiggins contract coming in return, because I know some Bulls fans would probably skeeve at it at first blush, but I think you got a point that it's not one that you, you couldn't move. And so in that kind of a scenario, that's where it really comes in handy. If you do have somebody like a Giannis who does sign his super max and wants to stay in Milwaukee for one more year, um, you know, after 2021 and wants to see if, if maybe they could try again and it doesn't happen, you can at least be ready to, to make a trade. No, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of Otto Porter's contract heading into this offseason is if you know, Giannis does request a trade in the last year of his contract, or there is an opportunity to swap Wiggins and Otto Porter so that Golden State could have cap for 2021 to add to Stephen Clay. And that's something that's more valuable to them um, mm-hmm. than you know, drafting a young stud that could take over for them when their reign is over. Um, it is an aspect that I think is overlooked by a lot of fans who might not fully understand the cap is. Having those big contracts, though, they're not always the players that live up to that contract. Um, as long as they're in the region of the contract, they're movable. Uh, you don't owe $40 million to Russell Westbrook, who you don't know is going to fall even further off the cliff at some point. So, actually, I want to get into a little more of the, the 2020 offseason here, this, this upcoming offseason. Are you looking to add an impact player if you can. So, you know, 2021 free agency, we talk about a lot because it could be a star-studded class. But are you trying to find a way to acquire an impact player this upcoming offseason, whether that's in free agency or on the open trade market? Is that something that would intrigue you? Is it something you think the Bulls should consider doing entering the, the 2021 regular season? For me, the, the only player that's really worth trading right now is Zach Levine. And that's a player that I don't know if you actually want to trade. Everybody else on this roster um, has either value that is declined or value that only exists in the idea of potential, but they're coming off their worst seasons. So trying to trade them to somebody for a equal return is just going to be really hard to do obviously that's why acme are here it's their job to find those kinds of trades but 
the same time, I think the only asset you're going to get big bites on this offseason is Zach Levine. And to your point of maintaining a level of flexibility, how much flexibility do you have if you have to give Zach Levine a near or max contract? A lot of your flexibility goes away then. Do you have enough faith in Zach Levine? We're at the Jimmy Butler bridge here again, except he's not facing the super max. It's can Zach Levine be the number one option on your team? Or is trading him right now with his value at its highest before you implement a scheme where Zach might not look as good? Do you get rid of him now? Yeah, and, and I think I'm kind of in that same boat. I would rather maintain that flexibility. I, I feel like the the moves to be made this upcoming offseason would be finding supplementary pieces to help develop the core. So I, I would be looking for 3 and D guys, wing players that I think could complement your core four right now of Zach, Laurie, Wendell, Kobe White, and then whoever you add in the draft. So really, you know, five core pieces. I'd be looking to add those kind of players. So to me, you brought up Thad Young earlier. I think that's a guy that I would try to look to move and maybe a guy like Tomas Sadoransky and try to just get guys that, that complement, not necessarily our, our massive all-star caliber players. No, obviously we are not fully aware of what the cap situation around the league is going to look like. I don't know how easy it's going to be to dump somebody like Sadoransky, um, but ideally for me, I'd, I'd love to uh, send Sato somewhere, uh, whether it's for a second that never conveys just to you know, send him elsewhere and open up that cap because the Bulls owe him next season is the equivalent of Chris Dunn and Denzel Valentine's qualifying offers put together. Um, I would rather have those two compared to Sato himself. Um, I feel Denzel brings the legitimate 38-plus percent volume three-point shooting that you thought Sato was going to bring, and Chris Dunn has proved to be an elite defender in this league. Um, I think both of them give you more versatility and interchangeable parts than just Sato himself, who's more so just average and slightly above average at a few things. Is there a good role player that you would be trying to add to this this core? And it, it doesn't have to be, again, somebody that, that is necessarily available, but somebody on your mind that you think would fit with this with this group. Well, it's actually something I wish the Bulls would have looked at couple seasons ago in Jeremy Grant, the the good Grant brother. He has a player option for $9.3 million next season. I'm not sure how much the Bulls will be able to offer them with their exception. I'm expecting the Bulls to probably be over the cap when the season starts. I'm not sure how the luxury tax is going to work next year, but they should have um, some form of a mid-level exception that they should be able to offer. I wonder if they could get it close to or above that number to attract somebody like him in um, who is a do-it-all forward, can shoot, can defend. Uh, We saw him lock down Kawhi a good amount in that series. Um, And that's the kind of players that you need in this league are guys that can play from three to five and can defend anybody on the floor. And I think he fits that mold to a T. Well, and, and there is a connection. There's a connection to Billy Donovan. He's, he's played the last three seasons in Oklahoma city and last year in the, well, the current season. Again, I apologize. 2020 has been odd this season. He's playing with Denver. So there's, there's a connection there with AK too. So it definitely makes sense from that standpoint as well. No, I mean, you, you connect the dots from, 
need to connections to experience and understanding uh, i mean it all lines up i like i said my understanding of the cap next season is kind of just up in the air and mm-hmm. not up to par because we don't know what the number is going to be set at or if right. they're going to add an additional exception for teams because of um, the cap situation drastically changing so much from what it was originally projected are those the kind of players that you're definitely looking at? Cause like Jeremy Grant definitely fits the three and three and D kind of style wing in today's game. Is that how you're trying to develop with this young core and try to bring them into that uh, playoff mold and make them attractive when the star studded class comes out there in 2021? I mean, I'd like to think that the roster that we have, even if they just redid things with a good coach would result in a lot different results. Um, assuming Otto Porter Jr. actually plays more than 12 basketball games, um, I don't think the Bulls have a bad roster. Um, I think you could add a player, you know, whether it's Isaac Okoro, uh, maybe Denny if he's your style, or um, Devin Vassell in this draft that are going to be that 3 and D guy. Um, it's Otto's last year, so obviously stocking up, the more the merrier. Um, because once he goes, you're going to have a lot of minutes to fill at that spot. I don't anticipate they'll re-sign him. So, I mean, and there's a lot of ways you could go, but it's just really hard to kind of predict because the Bulls have Adam Makoka, um, who's going to be a restricted free agent for them. More so of, you know, a 2-3. Uh, could probably defend some fours when teams go smaller. But he's got some two-way upside that the Bulls would be able to, you know, sign for cheap. So it's it's really interesting to see how they are going to change this roster outside of a bunch of draft night trades. I'm going to wrap this up here with one last question, one last uh, thought just on on that that dream scenario. What are you hoping happens come the 2021 offseason? Who's the player that you want to see the Chicago Bulls at either via free agency or via the trade market to, to launch them into title contention? I mean, it's cliche. It's the uh, Homer answer. But I want to see Anthony Davis come home. Hmm. That's, that's what I want to see happen. Um, I don't know what that means for Lowry Markman and Wendell Carter Jr. Obviously, maintaining one or both on the roster with AD would be a great three-man big lineup to rotate through. Um, I think you can make your case for having Wendell to play center so AD doesn't have to have that conversation. Uh, has its positives, and also the stretchability of Lowry uh, next to AD would have its benefits. So I don't know what it would mean for the two young big men on our team, but Anthony Davis coming home with championship experience and pedigree after learning from LeBron James and coming home, so similar to how LeBron went home to Cleveland after learning how to win in Miami uh, and bringing his hometown team a ring. Granted, AD never left us. He doesn't have any hearts that he has to mend. But um, I think that's my, my my greatest hope, would be that the young power forward center from Chicago uh, came home to Curious Paradise. Well, if he wants to come back to Chicago, I don't think I'd have uh, any reservations about what what you got to do with Laurie or, or Wendell Carter? I mean, I, I make any type of room I can to add somebody like AD to this roster. Um, you know, adding AD, that's it's interesting. Is there other supplementary moves that, that get made with a guy like AD coming in? Do you think there's a, another marquee player that 
that makes his way to Chicago as well if that happens? I mean, ideally, Zach, I mean, you hope that Zach takes another step, which really the, the, the only step left for Zach is winning. Um, he can put up the production. The numbers are there. Um, ideally, you want AD to be your Batman and Zach to be your Robin. That's, that's our biggest problem with Zach right now is it, we don't think that he should be the number one. We need somebody good enough to make him a number two. Um, I can't think of many prettier things than Zach Levine and Anthony Davis running a pick and roll 50 times a game. That, that gets me pretty excited. I don't know about you. Well, Zach Levine, I'm, I've been very impressed with, with him kind of making himself into a very productive player in this league. You know, I think he's actually developed in spite of, of what we've seen here in terms of player development in Chicago. So I give him a lot of credit. I don't know if I feel like he's a bona fide number two or is on track to be a number two. I kind of see him as a high-level number three, and that's probably splitting hairs. Um, but I look at him because of, of what he lacks kind of on, uh, on a, as a two-way player. I don't know if I'm comfortable putting him as the second-best player on, on the Bulls if they're a title-contending team. But do I think he could be a, a very key cog? Absolutely. I think offensively he has enough production to do that. I would definitely like to see if you get somebody like AD, can you add you know another high-valued free agent with him and and keep Zach? And that's your that's your your three-person core. Paul George would be available. I guess you could try to pull Kawhi from LA, but I have a feeling that they will retool that roster, and I don't think he's going in. He's home back in California where he wanted to be. So I don't see Kawhi leaving. And that's that's kind of the situation I get into is it's like, yeah, having two max slots would be great. But are you going to be offering a max to Tobias Harris, to a Chris Middleton, to an Otto Porter Jr. level player instead of a second top 10 player to go alongside AD? Um, I don't know. Maybe we're headed to a time in the NBA where we do have more parity, and you'll have Giannis on one team and AD on another. Um, who knows AD is going to be? Is he going to come back as the Slim Reaper, or is he going to come back like somebody who had an Achilles injury? You know, mm-hmm. still hasn't played. Obviously, he's a big fan, but we don't know. So maybe LeBron fizzles out and parity becomes the new rage in the NBA again. Uh, second star. You know, and there is something to that because we we have started to see that the the trios that we were seeing uh, dwindled. We're starting to see it more shift to having just a duo, right? So it, it is possible that maybe there could be more parity coming in the NBA. I think that's uh, that's definitely a fair point because we we've started to see that trend the last couple of off seasons. No, yeah, it could very easily go from big threes to big twos. Uh, which to me, I think makes more sense. It leaves a lot more room to add supplementary supplementary pieces that help win and don't need the ball and don't have the inflated egos when they don't get the ball. It's a lot easier to manage two stars than it is three. Once you add that third person in there, keeping that third mouth fed adequately is not the easiest thing to do. It's a good problem to have, um, but rarely have we seen that work out in situations where LeBron... Uh, who is one of the greatest facilitators to ever play the game is involved. Well, again, it, it's it's pretty good feeling right now to be a Bulls fan. It feels like everything's kind of 180'd 
since uh, the league shut down because of the pandemic. Things were kind of looking grim for the Bulls, and with the new front office, new new coaching staff, it feels pretty damn good to be a Bulls fan right now and, and actually have some some optimism going into these off seasons. No, I mean, to go from Jim Boylan, uh, not even being able to make it in a bubble, uh, all he had to do was be eight games behind the eighth seed to get invited. We couldn't even manage that in a shortened season. Uh, to new front office, new coach, top four pick. It, it definitely feels a lot better to be a Bulls fan right now uh, than it did when Kobe White had his first start, start against the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, who is still undefeated, by the way. So we, we got that going for us, too. Absolutely. So, again, uh, on Twitter, you are at Bulls Scripted, correct? That is 1,000% true. Yes. And what was the story behind the, the Twitter handle, if you could tell our listeners? Um. Initially, I was actually Chicago Baloney, um, and then I, I really, for whatever reason, the real spelling of Baloney just bothers me. It just doesn't look right to me. So I had to rebrand, and obviously the concept behind Chicago Baloney was Chicago bullshit, and bull script sounds a lot like bullshit, and happily married, bull scripted. It's, it, it's just a little play on words. I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. It's, when I saw you tell that story, I wanted you to share it again because I, I just love the bull scripted bullshit. And I love it. Well, no. I, I, the irony of it is I haven't written a blog in probably two or three years. So um, I, I've just I've continued to roll with it. I, I can't think of anything creative that doesn't involve that. So it's what we're sticking with. That's awesome. Well, Keith, it's always good to have you on, and, and we'll have you on again soon. All right, no, thanks for the invite. Anytime, man. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.